Welcome to UMC SEE, where we look at ministry on the cutting edge. This is a podcast of the Susquehanna Conference of the United Methodist Church, and each podcast features leaders from around our own annual conference and the wider connection, sharing innovative and inspiring ideas, ideas we're sharing. I'm Kevin Witt. I'm the director of Growing Spiritual Transformational Leaders, and on this podcast, we are talking about freed to lead, how to mobilize new people for leadership. I'm Kim Shockley. I'm the coordinator for Pathways of Spiritual Transformational Leadership. And I learned a long time ago that mobilizing leadership is very different than recruiting leaders. Uh, Often recruitment is matching people with jobs. So we start with the job and match people to it. But when we mobilize, we're paying attention to people, looking for potential leadership gifts and encouraging them to take steps into opportunities to cultivate their leadership. And today we're really fortunate to have three practitioners who are very intentional about helping their people be free to lead. Todd Christine is the pastor of Trowel Creek Valley Parish. Todd, would you greet the audience? Hello, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to, to take part in this. Thanks, Todd. We also have Melanie Feldner, who's the Director of Children's Ministries at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Mechanicsburg. Welcome, Melanie. Hi, everyone. I'm really happy to be here, and I look forward to spending some time with you this evening. And we also have Penny Rudy, who is the Director of Youth Ministries at Paxtonville United Methodist Church. Welcome, Penny. Well, thank you. Um, I'm honored to be asked to be a part of this. All three of these persons have been great examples of how to motivate other people into leadership and develop them for leadership. We'd like to start our conversation with the three of you today, really at the most important question in my mind is why? Why is mobilizing spiritual leaders become so important to your work in the church and your ministry in the wider world? So I'll just open that up for you to share. What is the big why behind how this became important for you? Melanie, well, I think- would you like to start us out? Sure. Well, leadership has always been important to me. And I think that in all honesty, right now, it's become even more important. And not only is it critical to the church, but it's critical to the wider world in general. Uh, Having people who are strong leaders that are grounded in their faith is not only important in the church, but in the secular world. And I get really excited thinking about the day when there really isn't a separation, that strong spiritual leaders lead us just everywhere, that we are able to work with and experience that type of leadership. You know, and I'm, I'm passionate specifically about identi- identifying that potential in our young people. I often hear uh, people say that children and youth are the future of the church, but really, they're the church right now. And now more than ever, that strong spiritual leadership from our young people, we really need their talents and skills. And so it's a great, I've always been passionate about leadership, uh, growing spiritual leaders, but now I just think, oh, the opportunities are just exploding around us. Great. Thank you so much, Melanie. Penny, how about you? What, what drives you in, in terms of developing people for leadership? Well, you know, I hate to state the obvious, but um, the, the first obvious answer is that um, you can't do it alone. Um, and it would be an incredible quick burnout if you attempted to do it. Um, What I have found in our youth ministry is that our leaders each bring a different ability, talent, and really, if you're going to paint your ministry with lots of color and flavor, you need people. You need lots of people from lots of different uh, places who have different interests. And, And honestly, what we have noticed is that as we add those leaders in, it brings more diversity in the kids that we are attracting as well. And I've noticed, and it's so cool, I've noticed how youth will connect with one of the leaders because they have similar interests, similar abilities, similar talents, and Um, they then can start visualizing themselves in the ministry 
because they see somebody else with the same skills, abilities, and talents in the ministry, and they can start seeing, oh, hey, I could do that. And and we don't even have to ask them to walk together or to work together. It just happens naturally because they both have this love for whatever, whether it be music or, or art or theater or what, IT, um, they can get really excited about it and they have a leader who's excited about it as well. And then they can kind of work together through that. That's really an interesting and helpful insight. I, I had never thought about it that that way before the more diverse your leadership, the more diverse those who want to engage with you are. And, and that's a really helpful insight. Thank you, Penny, for that. Todd, how about you? What's it like in your world in terms of developing leaders? Well, I think I might be I might be uh, uh, stereotypical and give the pastoral answer. I think to this is so much that it's because that's what Jesus told us to do. You know, Jesus said, "Go and make disciples of all nations," and and not just Jesus's disciples, but as we mature in our faith, we are called to go and cultivate more. And and that's supposed to be a revolving door. It's supposed to be a cycle that starts with you. And ends with you raising up someone else. That's what a complete call to faith is, isn't it? Uh, that we are investing our lives in relationships of others, not just for the ministry of our churches, but for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be a church uh, raising up leaders so that others may go and therefore produce the same. And it's I can't help but think is it's, it's at the uh, the military that's. Uh, See one, uh, train one, send one, uh, and and that's who we're supposed to supposed to be as Christians, not just as pastoral leaders, but as church leaders. That's how we change the entire world, uh, because it's it's the fundamental basis of who we are with the gospel and our understanding of the gospel. Well, as I hear you talking about that, it really nudges something in me. Um, it almost feels like when we have a concept of leadership in which we're looking to ourselves as the core leader, as the one who does everything, that we're, we're actually cutting off the opportunity for other people to follow the path of Christ in their life and to be disciples. Yeah. Sometimes we get this feeling like we have to do it, but what I hear you saying, no, it's a very different understanding if you look at the way that Jesus lived and moved uh, and developed people as disciples. Yes, absolutely. I would say that is an, uh, a very accurate reflection of how I feel about that. Yes. And I would totally agree with Todd. You know, I think back to something I year, learned years ago, learn it, live it, teach it. I mean, it is cyclical. You you learn it, you live it, you teach it to others. And that's, I mean, that's what Jesus taught us to do. It's so powerful. Well, these are way, very powerful, wise, and good uh gets our conversation started off on a really positive path. Uh, one of the books that I've been reading lately is Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson and Warren Bird. And they highlight in that book the I see in you conversation, uh, the ability to share with someone what their gifts and abilities are, I see in you. And they call it the most four powerful letters in, in the uh, alphabet. I see in you. So are you familiar with this technique? And if you are, do you use it as you recognize giftedness in other people? I, I yeah, the, the book Hero Makers really speaks to me. I, I just, I, I don't know, there's such power in being, I get fed by being able to say to someone, hey, I see in you. And when you do that, it's like it changes it will transform them. It will change them. But I think that the very first thing you have to do is be in relationship with someone because it all starts with trust and they have to trust you because you, that I see in you and that belief in them starts with a relationship that's built in trust. And what I found is sometimes people are just, they don't recognize it in themselves. And they're just absolutely blown away when someone that they view as being in a leadership role comes along and says, hey, I see this in you. And then, and then you can walk alongside them. It's sort of like the processes you use for delegation. You, you, you show them, then you let them do it with you side by side with them, and then you let them walk on their own. And so 
to, to see that whole process and start with the I see in you, it's just, I, I just, it's so powerful. It's absolutely so powerful to me. Penny, I know in your work, you recruit a lot of uh, what you call junior leaders. Mm -hmm. So these are younger, um, young adults that you're recruiting to work with uh, the youth group. So how do these kind of conversations work with the younger people? Um, quite interestingly enough, just recently, um, I'd, I'd like to preface this by saying that um, the Holy Spirit is really at work in this area in our youth ministry because it's not always what I see in them, but sometimes it's where they're being called to lead. Um, I just recently did my one-on-ones with all of my youth, uh, my junior youth leaders. I do that towards the end of the school year. And in that conversation, we have 12 veins of ministry. And in that conversation, I asked each one of them, I mean, I, I, I shared with them um, what I see in them and, and how I appreciate them and what gifts I think they bring to the table. But then I asked them, I say, you know, if you could spend one day in one vein of ministry, what would it be? And then they would then, you know, think some of them would think about it a little bit. Some of them would have an immediate answer of where they belong. I have um, 10 leaders that are under the age of 25 that are junior leaders, and every one of them said a different vein of ministry, which to me was just, oh, it was such a Holy Spirit moment because I'm going, oh, the whole, you know, they're already plugged in. Um, they've already been brought here. He knew the plan. He brought them here. I didn't need to know. I didn't even really need to have a conversation with it. It was already implanted in them. Um, one thing that I would like to start doing a little more of and be better about is, is having a model. I have these conversations with um, our youth and, and our leaders all the time, but I really want to see them having that conversation with the youth and with each other. So I, I, and I don't know that that's happening. So I really want to start putting that into place. I want to start putting that training into place where, where they are having those conversations where I'm not the only one having those conversations and maybe they are, I don't know. Um, but, but then really being intentional about what's next after you have that conversation. Right. Thank you. Todd, how would you like to jump into this conversation? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, the answers to given are already so rich and wonderful. I don't know what I could add to it. I think uh, <laughs> spatial awareness is a huge deal for leaders that be, to uh, to be able to to look into relationships and look into people's lives to say, okay, sit down with someone and ask them where they feel they fit in the church, where they what they envision their role to be, and. I, I have to tell you, I've had uh, uh, several instances now where the person has got done speaking and I just look at them and it's like, you know, I got to be honest, that's not what I see at all. And, and begin to bridge the conversation. Have you ever thought of this? Have you ever thought of that? I think so often uh, we ourselves uh, in a sense of, I mean, I think it comes from a, a genuine place of, of humility. Uh, don't envision the the complexities and the grandness of what God's role for each of us could be in the church. It's I just uh, celebrated with one of my uh, uh, most recent seminary graduates. She's uh, you know she's 55 years old. She just completed her MDiv just last week. And uh, whenever I sat down and talked to her about going into pastoral ministry, I mean she was thinking something completely different. And now uh, she is serving uh, a, a church and she is. Uh, engaged in, in what it is pulpit ministry and how that has changed her life, how that has changed how she interacts with her community and and just put a little pep in her step, if you will, uh, being able to do that. And, and you have to have spatial awareness. You have to be aware of what's going on around you, what's going on with the people that you're interacting with and, 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 and saying, okay, I can be willing to voice I see something that maybe you don't see. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Now, just to, just to explore this a little bit, because I find it intriguing, all three of you really spend time in conversation with folks. Is that something that you do naturally, or is that something that you have to intentionally carve out time? How do, how do you get into those conversations what what initiates them how do you how does that part of your ministry how does it flow 
I think for me personally, it's a lot of it has been mostly organic, but with intentional cultivation. Uh, sometimes you, you spot something out of the corner of your eye. Sometimes it's a word, it's a mannerism, it's a, a picture uh, where someone's standing in, in the midst of doing something. Maybe they're serving in a mission or they're giving an announcement or they're leaning over to help a child. You know, there's something that sparks and then you begin to pay attention. And that's when you become more and more intentional about having some direct conversations. But that, for me personally, that's, that's the way I've gone about it. And I would say I am the same. Well, I, I exactly agree. I, when Todd said that, I was like, yes, it's organic yet intentional, which, which sounds kind of odd. But I, I often refer to it as poking at somebody a little bit because, uh, you know, like Penny said, you, you just, when it comes from God and you know it's right, and you, you almost poke at him a little bit and say, hey, did you, did, did you recognize what you just did? Like, did you, did you see that? Wow, I really think that could lead to, and you, you prod a little bit. So when Todd said, it's organic yet intentional, I was like, yes. That's exactly what it is. The conversations are, are organic, but you've made observations over time that then you can plug in this intentionality. Uh, but it all starts with a relationship. You, you have to take time to be in relationship and build that trust so that when you start to poke and peel back that those layers a little deeper, then they feel comfortable and safe in doing that. So what I hear in your stories is that you're telling us you are disciple makers. You are intentionally engaged in helping people grow in their discipleship. And I, I find that really quite refreshing because ultimately that's what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, yeah, didn't so, Jesus poke a little? I mean, yeah, if you think about exactly. it, that's what Jesus did. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So can any of you tell us a story Todd, you started to do this already. Um, a person's story that that you poked or prodded. Um, how did how did they move from one place to another? What did that look like? Well, I mean, it, it's it's really uh, quite fascinating because because you mean with that you always go to prayer. You say, God, I need you to to open the hearts of the person, help them to see what what you have shown me. And, and give them the courage and the strength that they need and, and get their spirit where it needs to be. We always got to let God do the foundation work and get doing what needs to be done before we can really uh, get that going. So one of the things that I, I uh, saw was with a lay speaker of mine, and he was 60 years old. And this is not the one I was just referring to. This is another one. And I, I just love the way how he interacted with people. You could tell that there was a genuine, a genuine, a genuineness to. He just loved people, and and I think that isn't that as a pastor, as a leader, as a Christian, isn't that our job to love people? Mm -hmm. And not only that, he loved to study, he loved to engage the Word, he loved to teach. And anytime I had a mission project, he was there. And so I it was actually it was before annual conference. It was before annual conference, two thousand fourteen. And I was getting ready to leave for annual conference uh, that, and I sat him down and I said, Hey, in the middle of the week, I'm leaving. I need to have a heart to heart with you uh, in the sanctuary. And I want you to be, uh, I want to lay something heavy on you. And I want you to, to seriously consider it. He was scared to death <laughs> about what we were getting ready to talk about. <laughs> but I began with saying, have you considered more? And this is a man that had a, a great career. He worked a federal job and he had no reason to, to walk away. And he had grandchildren and, you know, all these different things. And it just began with conversation. It took a year and a, a year later, he was entering into ministry. Uh, it just begins with that conversation to, mm -hmm. to sit him down and, and not be afraid to terrify someone just a little bit. So. <laughs> poke. <laughs> yeah, poke, like Melanie said, poke. <laughs> but it, it comes from paying attention that you know when to poke. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, well, intentional the person... poking. Yes. <laughs> With a person that I'm thinking about, um, honestly, she would not have seen herself as a leader, but
but she was one. And the examples I was able to use with her is she leads me. And when I said, you know, when you did this and this and this, that was leading me. And so to point out that that's how I witnessed, recognized it in her was that I was like, oh my goodness, she's, she's changing the way I lead and the way I do this. And it takes, I think it was Penny that said it earlier, the diversity, like it takes all different kinds of leaders and people have this, you know, they have this box around what they think leadership should look like. Leadership looks, it's so diverse. It looks so different. And the way they lead me sometimes is how I identify people as well. And that's how I identified this particular woman is she was, you know, what do they call it? Managing up, leading up. She did that with me on a regular basis. Penny, do you have a story you'd like to share? Uh, It would be really tough for me to pick one. Um, In our youth ministry, there's just so much going on with the leaders and the kids. And um, I am just in awe every every day of of everybody who is growing. Um, I have, um, as you said, a lot of our leaders come from our youth program. They graduate. They come back as a leader. Um, I have one young man right now who graduated, came back as a junior leader, is now looking into what path he wants to take into the ministry. I have another young man who um, was not a part of our youth um, group as as a young man, but came on with us during uh, his college years and just has been running a marathon spiritually. And he is looking into how he is going to take his next step into uh, being a pastor. I have... Um, I I could just go on and on and on in regards to students and leaders. I have one student who really sticks out in my mind. When she first came to us, she was probably in maybe fifth, sixth grade. She was incredibly backwards. She was quiet. She, she, it was just, you just didn't notice her a whole lot because she really didn't want to be noticed Um, here recently. And we've seen her growing. We've seen this coming, but we had this, Oh my word moment where we had a a youth service and we, we asked her to give the message. I really felt she's the one we need to ask her to give the message. And I have a really hard time uh, hiding what I'm feeling, but she is giving the message and I am like blown away. And, and, and and when the service was over, I went to her and I said, Oh my word, that was incredible. You did an awesome job. And um, since then, she has just been, I feel like she's running a marathon and she is talking about possibly working in the ministry as well. Wonderful. That is so exciting. This is almost a perfect transition for the next direction that we want to go in. And I want to do, uh, first of all, just let folks know who may be joining us now in the middle of the program that, that we are, uh, this is UMC, and we have three great leaders with us, uh, Todd Christine, uh, Melanie Feldner, and Penny Rudy. They're all talking about how they free people for spiritual leadership, how they move them into new possibilities of how their life might have meaning and how they might lead other people. So the transition I'd like to make now is we've talked a lot about helping people find leadership roles within the church. And one of the things that our office in Growing Spiritual Transformational Leaders for the conference is now working on is how do we expand the definition of spiritual leadership? It seems so often uh, that it's limited to doing something for the church or within the church. But I feel like there's so much more to it than that. Um, Not that that isn't really important, and I do think it's very central that we've got leaders within the congregations to help inspire other people into leadership, but ultimately, uh, Jesus was out and about all over the community doing all kinds Mm -hmm. of things, and all that was spiritual leadership. So my question is, how, how do you help people understand that spiritual leadership includes their everyday life? that it includes other settings that they're in beyond the local church. So I just opened that up to, to see what kind of creative perspective that you might have in that regard. 
Well, I have to tell you, I love this question. This is my favorite question. Um, I have this conversation with my youth all the time. They really struggle in this area because like we will go to camp or we will go to impact and they will have this passion and this commitment. And, and they will often say to us, I, I just can't keep a hold of this. When I leave here and I go back to school, I can't keep a hold of this. Um, and we have had lots of conversations of uh, in regards to how do you identify yourself? If you were to explain yourself to me, if you were to identify yourself, yourself to me in what way would you do that and quite often they don't identify themselves as children of Christ or disciple for Christ or um, they identify themselves in a different way and then that is a part of who they are that is I am a soccer player I'm a Christian I'm a and, and I really tried to explain to them who you are in Christ is who you are you are a, a child of God who plays soccer. You are a child of God who is in uh, student government. It, it, that becomes the basis of who you are. And then you carry that with you everywhere you go. Um, but it's a tough thing to do. And, and some of them are learning. They're, they're getting used to it. They're getting used to, to seeing themselves in that light. Um, and some of them are, are seeing, they're, they're reaping the benefits of that in that they are, um, they just, they feel better about the things that they're doing. Uh, they can see, they, 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 they maybe are even enjoying what they're doing better. Um, and they're connecting with, with other students in a different way. And um, so it, it's a tough thing to do, but I love this question. And we talk about it in our youth group all the time. Thanks, Benny. How about you, Melanie? Do you have some perspective on this? Yeah, this, this is my favorite question too, Penny, because church is not just a building. And we have a saying in our kid and youth ministry at Aldersgate, it's always only Jesus. And we are very intentional about connecting everything to their everyday, ordinary walking around lives. Because I, I said in the beginning, I, I dream of that day when there's not that division between who I am at church and who I am in the secular world. Because I think if there was ever a time where we needed spiritual transformational leadership, it's now. Uh, and so I get really excited, just like Penny, when I think about we are very intentional at connecting who you are, who you are, who Jesus made you with, who you're going to be outside of these four walls. And giving, giving everyone a safe space to say, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't so great this week on the soccer field. <laughs> and we do little skits and little role plays and little things. And it's okay. You know, we all struggle and we all have to be vulnerable and real. Mm -hmm. um, because that, that is, that's what will truly, that's what I believe that Jesus wants us to do is to not just be Jesus inside the four walls of our building. That's why I think now, we just have so much opportunity to, to make disciples everywhere we go all the time and to set that example because we need somebody to step up and do it. And I think this is a great time for spiritual leadership to step forward. Thank you so much, uh, Melanie. How about you, Todd? Have you thought about this at all? Well, you guys are going to laugh at me because all of our many conversations that all of us have had here in the past, I'm going to use the word culture. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have got to create a, a culture of ownership. We are building a Jesus culture, yeah. and it is uh, an, an identity that are that we have to use to instill in the lives of folks. We have, that means that we that Jesus becomes not just uh, a word we say, a label that we progress. We just like what, what Penny said, and, and I'm going to echo. What Melanie said that as we are we are using words and language that shape that says, listen, it's here is where we get our we come to Sunday morning worship and we get a recharge. We're charged up to be sent out, and we come back to be recharged. You know, we are getting our power to go to work, and as we begin to look at language and and how we matriculate lang that kind of language into every facet of our being and the existence of what it means to live a human life as a Christian. You know, to be Jesus is to be the foundational piece of who you are. Paul says, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Christ lives and wells up and overflows out into every aspect of what he says and what he does and everything that, that, that defines him. And that culture piece is, is pivotal 
as we are, you know, we look at a culture, we look at a world, a live, live in a world that we're, we like to, to cherry pick who we are, you know, uh, I, I also, also, you know, I'm just going to pick on the whole, everybody's, I'm from a very um, German Irish town, and by I mean German Irish, they are very proud to be Irish, even though they're really German. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, we we like to pick up our flags, if you will, and and say, look how many flags I can wield. And really, we're called to have one flag, uh, and that's the flag of Christ, uh, that really defines our lives and says, you know what, I can be Jesus. Uh, at the office, I can be Jesus uh, at the body shop. I can be Jesus on the on the on the work site, uh, and because Jesus is who I am, uh, it's I, I think it's amazing that you know we're getting ready to do a uh, celebrate Ascension Sunday in the church, and that's one of the big things that Jesus is telling his disciples, uh, even in the farewell discourse in John's Gospel. You know, it's I I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in you, and you are in me. Like this is a, a circular relationship to that defines who we are wherever we are. And getting that language together is what's important. When I when I heard the three of you talking, what popped into my mind was um, a local church that was a smaller to mid-sized church in the Midwest somewhere, and uh, the young woman who was the pastor of that congregation said, you know, we really need to take this seriously that our own uniqueness and our passions can call us into leadership. And so every year she would have this opportunity for people to, to identify, you know, what, you're, what are you really interested in and what really calls to your heart? And as she was doing that, um, five people from that community flew airplanes. And so they got in a room together and they talked about, okay, we have this love for airplanes how can this be the love of Christ somehow mm. in the world? And they became an ambulance service for their community when people really needed to get to the hospital fast. And there was no way they didn't have helicopters and that kind of thing in their area. So at least not at that time. But that's the kind of thing that's not wow. going to come out of your um, administrative council meeting about what's our next ministry. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. You know, so I just, when you guys were talking, that's what popped into my mind. I'm like, yeah, it's it's allowing people to understand that they can use their gifts and graces to love the world. And it takes on all kinds of unique aspects to it. Um, so thank you for that. I. I get so excited when I hear you guys talking about that aspect of it. Well, our, our GROW team has been uh, working on what does it mean to be a spiritual transformational leader? And we've been saying that spiritual transformational leaders engage others in abundant Christian love that transforms lives wherever they go. And it sounds like we don't need to recreate that with you all because you're already doing it. <laughs> so that that's uh, really affirming to us in our work to know that there are there, it is happening within the annual conference, and, and it's really exciting um, to be a part of that and to hear more about it. Just because we do the things that we celebrate and we get more energy around things that we celebrate, uh, how do you celebrate uh, what people, how people are stepping up in their leadership roles? Well, I have a, a story that I think fits here because the woman I've been talking about that uh, I've had the privilege to partner with, I won't even say coach and mentor, but it's a partnership. And it speaks to, to everything uh, that we've talked about as far as living out Jesus everywhere we go. And one of the ways to do that is to talk to them about the rest of their lives, not just what's happening in church in whatever volunteer or support role they're in, but talking about other parts of their life. Well, this particular woman is also a room mom in her son's classroom. And any of you that have ever been room parents know that you can sometimes get challenged. Um, and so she's used uh, a lot of her uh, spiritual leadership skills to navigate that. And it's her son's room. And she often would say, you know, I just want to be a good role model for my kids. I want to be a good role model for my son. And so we would talk a lot about situations. She's a Girl Scout troop leader. 
all of those places where she has struggled to always only Jesus sometimes <laughs> because it's been a struggle. So her second grade son was selected as student of the week. And one of the things that student of the week does is stands up and talks about his life. So he stood up and proceeded to tell his second grade class that his mom worked at, the, she's a volunteer, works at the church. And here are the things his mom does for Jesus and how everybody there should come to his church because they do all kinds of cool things for Jesus in his second grade class. So that is, that's how you connect it. And that is, you know, who knows who Christ changed in that room, in that little second grade classroom that day, because she was, to give her a space to talk about, hey, we all get challenged, you know, we all get challenged with, oh, not always wanting to react or respond the way Jesus would want us to. And so giving her that space then she was able to get that that validation and that celebration in the most powerful way for her own child. Cool. That's a great story. Thank you. Other ways we celebrate. Well, I have to tell you, this is this is an, an area where I I it's it's not my thing, so to speak. Um, so when I read this question, I wrote it on my list of things that I need to do. Um, however, I recognize that it's kind of not my thing, and I have passed this off to one of my other leaders um, who thrives at this, and, and she will, I don't know what she does all, but she does all kinds of things. Um, she meets people for breakfast. She, um, If your name is in the paper or there's an article about you, she laminates it. She sends you a card. She sends that with, um, she's posting things on our website uh, about students that are doing awesome things. Um and so I, it's something that I need to be better about, but um, I have passed that off to someone else, quite honestly. Well, that goes back to where we started this conversation when we talked about um, if I do it all, then other people don't get a chance to step up. So that's wonderful that somebody recognized this is my gift. I can do that. That's, mm. that's what spiritual transformational leadership is all about. It's great. Thank you. Any celebrations, Todd? Oh, we do all kinds of different celebrations. Uh, it's it's one of those things where, you know, any excuse that we can get together to party for something good, we should definitely do it. We are going to have some pretty awesome parties when we can see each other again, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. safely. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it can be anything as dramatic as bringing someone uh, up in front of a group of people and, and pointing out a recognition. It's a card. It's a phone call. Uh, it can be a quick email that says, hey, I saw what you did there. Good job. And, and, and just the littlest things that can spur someone forward, that they'll be willing to even do more. And I think, I think so much, it's not so much the word celebration, but maybe acknowledgement. Mm. It says, hey, I saw what you did there, and it matters. What mm. you're doing is good work. I think so often we get so tied up in a world of busyness, even uh, even in the church life, but secular life is getting just as bad. You know that we we don't stop and, if you will, appreciate the roses, and and we we have to be intentional about acknowledgement and celebration and and having Thanksgiving. I had a, a youth, one of my youth, that for her birthday, you know, this is a this is an eleven year old. She be, she said for her birthday she wanted to. Receive gifts for the Bountiful Blessings Pantry, the non-food pantry. She didn't want any presents. She wanted uh, toilet paper, paper towels, and shampoo and deodorants, and and she and she has done this. And I remember the first day that I found out about this. Uh, first, I went and talked to her mother just to celebrate with her mother about what an amazing child that she was raising. But but then I I, I got to sit down with with this child and, and just said, Hey, I just need you to know that I'm so proud of you. And what you're doing and she it was like someone put a light bulb on her face she just glowed and she glowed every time uh thereafter that i've seen her and and she continues to this day what she's doing and she's going to be an amazing uh soldier for christ in the world as she goes out to to take it by storm so it's, it's really it's, it's it's about acknowledgement it's about that that simple love that says what you're doing matters. 
Yeah, and one of the things that, that really resonates with me as you're speaking about this particular point is that just simple things like giving people the opportunity to share their own experience. For, for example, um, there's a mechanic in the church, you know, and just to say to the mechanic, would you just talk to people for two minutes about how your relationship with Christ makes your being a mechanic more meaningful, how it enriches your, your life? And that mechanic stands up and says, look, I try to treat every customer as a child of God when they walk into my place. It's, it, it makes my shop more meaningful, not only to me, but to other people. Mm-hmm. I, have the, I have this gift, so I feel like God has given me this gift to pass on to when people need it. So every once in a while, somebody would come in, they can't afford a repair. Well, we can ref- we can afford to help them on that repair, and that that kind of shapes ministry a little bit different. It makes it more normal to my daily work and my daily life. Mm. Uh, you know, if I'm a banker and I'm really trying to help young families, um, you know, get their first home, or or I'm trying to avoid them getting trapped in huge amounts of debt, I do that partly out of my love for them. And, and I just think giving people normal, normal, I guess, quote, nobody's normal, but giving people in the pews the opportunity to just express that in front of everyone else. And as a young person, whenever I heard an adult talk about how their normal everyday life was, was meaningful because of their faith, that's when I started paying attention. Mm-hmm. I kind of get lost in all the theological stuff. But when somebody said, this is how the rubber meets the road in my life, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm perking up. So how, how do we give people the opportunity to share their, how their faith is integrated with what they do, uh, not only in the church, but everywhere else? So I, I, would, I, I really think that kind of thing could go a long way, too, in terms of celebration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would agree, Kevin. I think, and I think that works for every age giving kids a chance to share how they stood up for somebody that was being picked on at school. Uh, All those things that helping people connect the dots and understanding that that's, that's what Christ taught us to do. And you can do that in small ways and big ways each and every day out there in your ordinary life. And I think that recognition and that realization is so powerful for people of all ages. Well, that's really uh, helpful, and I thank you all for bringing these things up. We're getting near the end of our time, but I did have one other question that I'd like to learn from you about, and that is when persons come into leadership, they're not always completely ready for the new leadership role that they're taking on, right? They're, they're, they're just getting started. So how do you help people become effective so that they can enjoy leadership? How do you help them work through um, maybe maybe it didn't go as well as they had hoped, and how do you encourage them uh, through that? Um, how do you help them become better leaders? Penny, what about you? What do you do to help people who are just starting out become better leaders and assist them in that process? Well, we have a system put in place. I'm not going to say that we follow it to the T. Uh, we certainly want to be Holy Spirit-led, so sometimes we jump around and and don't follow it to a T, but we do have a system put in place. When you first join us, you are what we call a helper. A helper is there really to help the the other leaders and uh, they may help set up or tear down or do something like that. They're just really getting their feet wet. We're getting to know where they belong. They're getting a feel for where they think they belong. And then once we identify them as, hey, this is somebody that we need to grow, uh, we will then approach them about becoming a junior leader. Um, To become a junior leader, you need to be mentored by either a senior leader or an elder. Um, and, And you do that for a certain amount of time. It depends. Some people very quickly move through that phase and, and some people take a little bit more time. Um, you cannot become a senior leader until you are age appropriate. Uh, we do that is the one the one stipulation that we always follow. We you cannot become a senior leader until you have the ability until you're old enough that you can supervise um, 
the youth and and run a group um, without somebody else um, shadowing you. There's always somebody else in the room with you, but um, you don't you can essentially be running the group. Um, but this is this is something that we have learned very recently that uh, we maybe have that we there was an oversight in in doing this is that we were not identifying students young enough like we need to be identifying these kids when they're in ninth tenth eleventh twelfth grade so we can be providing them with uh, leadership training and opportunities to grow that leadership so that when they come to us as a helper they're a little bit better they're a little they're a little more ready um, and there's not quite so much work to do on on that end of it great thank you and we do uh, something kind of uh, a little similar to that. Uh, we have a 16-year-old who <laughs> right now he's probably leading all of us because he's helping with our helping. I say that. He's running our online presence. And so he has become, he's been in a leadership role with the church for a long time. And this has given him the chance to step up even more. And he loves it. But one of the things that we do with our senior high youth, we also ask them to start identifying who will replace them. So we say to Carter, hey, Carter, so you've only got another couple of years of high school. Who do you see as someone who might want to step into your role? And then to what Penny said, then they come on board. We have a variety of different ways, depending upon what their spiritual gifts and passions and you know things they want to do are. Uh, I reference kids ministry because... That that's the easiest reference point for me. But we have a sixth grader who uh, joins our What's Up Wednesday for Kids program with this 16-year-old, and he's being mentored by the 16-year-old, and he is so excited. This sixth grader joins every Zoom call with these kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth graders uh, <laughs> because we, we've, we've used our senior high youth to identify even younger leadership potential. And they get so excited by that because I think a, a lot of people out there listening may be saying, that sounds great, but where do you, how do you start? And what Penny said, you start with uh, just giving them small tasks and jobs. We also start with the spiritual gifts uh, profile and assessment tool because that gives you something to talk about because it is kind of hard to sit down and say, so you want to be a leader? It just... <laughs> can not always go as well as planned. So I use the spiritual gifts assessments for a foundational conversation piece a lot mm -hmm. because it's some place to start your conversation. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, how about you, Todd? Do you have any practices that you implement? Well, I mean, one of the things that I, I really am strong about is, is mentoring. Now, uh, mentoring slash uh, with apprenticeships. Uh, I think uh, apprenticeship is a, a sacred art uh, for uh, many who don't know me. I have a background in trade. I am a trained plaster. I'm a trained carpenter. Uh, in each of those, I had mentors that came alongside me that didn't do the work for me, but were there with me to give me the advice, the tips, the tricks, the to see the things that I was doing wrong because I was too close to see that, that they could see from standing back at a distance. I often I often think about uh, getting people into leadership as like ushering at a movie theater, you know, and then when the lights are out and it's dark, you have these ushers that are coming alongside you and just kind of guiding you where you need to go. And you're more confident with them uh, as they are. They, they've been there. They know the walk. They know what you're getting ready to go through and, and they can get you to your seat where you need to uh, to be prepared to do what you need to do. And, and it is that. I mean, it's, it's identifying, I love what Penny and, and Melanie both said, it's identifying these traits, it's identifying them early, it's getting them paired uh, with people, but ultimately it's about investment. It's about being willing to invest the time. I only can invest in two, three people max per year because it's, you want to, you want to, you have to pour in so much and you want to do it well. So identifying good mentors that, that, that are going to be good mentors. I mean, let's face it, not everybody's meant to do that kind of work. Uh, mm -hmm. so the, the purpose of mentoring is not to create a mini me, but it's allowing, it's bringing someone to come into their own and have their own stamp on leadership. Right? 
So how do, can you get this team together that can help usher up the next generation uh, to be there that they can form a trust and a bond? And there again, that's going to go back to culture. We got to have a, a culture where it's not weird uh, to be taught something. I think we live in a world today where we think everybody should have all the answers because Google is only a search away. <laughs> but, but we, it's okay to not know the answers. I, I, I one of the, the most um, perplexing things that my my uh, pastoral candidates have when they come out and they they say, you know, Todd, you know, have you ever been through this? What do you think about that? And, and I have to sit back with them and say, you know what, I don't know the answer, but we can find out together. You know, and and have that type of investing relationship. And so, yeah, that, that's what I would do. But I, I mean, like I said, with Melanie and, and Penny, I mean, that's, there's rich, that's, that's fantastic stuff there. Well, we've come to the end of our time together. And I just want to thank the three of you. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Todd, for guiding us through this journey and this conversation. Very powerful. I want to thank also everyone who's listening for the ways that you've given your life to nurture the love in other people and to inspire them to more meaningful lives. And I also want to just be reminded one more time, uh, what a beautiful life Jesus lived in our midst. As he encourages us generations later to continue to be the kind of leader that will transform the world, make it a more loving place, making it a place of wholeness and beauty and how wonderful this work is that we do in the name of Christ. So for all those things, we give thanks. Uh, next month, we're going to hear from another set of leaders in a very exciting topic, and that is on how to be a non-anxious presence in the middle of a changing time. And I think that's a very timely for us now. Kim, I wanted to say thank you to you also for co-hosting. Did you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share? I didn't have any closing thoughts, but it is very exciting uh, to hear from from people who are in the field about the things that um, are really helping to multiply leadership within our local churches and communities and help us to focus on Jesus' love for everyone. Thanks, everybody. Be well. See you Thank next you. time. <laughs>